Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. We have an unusual psalm today. Take out your Bible and look with me to Psalm 109. Now, it is an unusual psalm because the words here are most harsh. The author is King David. David loved the Lord. He loved serving God, and he loved the righteous ways of God. David was an individual that knew mercy and grace and loving kindness. David was able to forgive. And when David met an individual that was the exact opposite, and we can think of it this way in terms of our new covenant faith, we're speaking to an individual that is reprobate, meaning this. It is not that they are unaware of biblical truth. They know the truth. It's simply they have rejected it. And they're not interested in responding to it at all. And those that are weak, instead of having mercy, instead of looking upon them kindly, with perhaps pity and sympathy, what do they do? They exploit them. And it's because of such an individual that David says these harsh words to them. So even though that this psalm is usually not appropriate for how we relate to most people, there are those individuals that such words are indeed appropriate. They may seem harsh, unkind, downright mean, but there are times when there's people that need this type of judgment from God. So look with me to verse 1, Psalm 109 and verse 1, where it says, to the chief musician or to that choir director, however you understand that phrase, and then it says, by David, a psalm. And notice how David relates to God first and foremost. God of my praise. This initiates David's words. David is someone who praises God. Now, why do we praise God? For who he is, his attributes, all the things that make God God and are the reasons why God behaves the way that he does and says the things that he speaks. Therefore, David initiates this psalm by saying, I praise God, the God of Israel. He is my prayer. And we see here that David is saying, God of my praise, do not be silent. Now, it's literally a word for being deaf. And what David is saying is, don't be unattentive to my prayer, but rather respond. David, and hear this carefully, 
David is quite confident that such things are appropriate for this individual. And we're going to see reasons why David says such things to God about such a person. Move on to the next verse, verse 2. For the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful one. So he's dealing with an individual, and this can be applied to individuals, but he's dealing with one individual, and he speaks, and what he says is wicked, meaning this. It is against the character of God. And the second thing we see is that it's rooted in that which is deceitful. Our God is a God of truth. We are individuals that want to walk in that truth. We want transparency. We want the things of God. We don't try to hide something, conceal something. We're not people of the darkness of night, but we belong to the day, the Apostle Paul says. So as sons of light belonging to the day, we are not people that practice deceit. And notice what it says. The mouth of the wicked the mouth of that deceitful one it is open up against me and they speak against me with a tongue and this can be language of falsehood here again deceit falsehood lies this is the nature of this group of people the one that david is speaking against and notice what they say verse 3 words of hate surround me that's what they are about they don't want to practice love there is nothing within their character that is similar to god but rather god is a god of love god's commandments teach us how to love one another and to love god but these individuals and particularly the individual that david is speaking against and addressing in the psalm he speaks words that surround David, words of hatred. And what else? He wants to fight against David. It's a word for war. He wants to fight against David. Chinam, which means, chinam in Hebrew today is something which means free of no cost. In the biblical sense, it's without reason. Now, what the scripture is teaching us is that this individual, his nature is to lie, his nature is to hate, and his nature is to wage war, attack someone else without reason. It is because of who he is that he loves to fight and inflict suffering and pain upon another. And it's because of these quite extreme characteristics that David is going to say the words that he does. Verse 4. It says, in, in exchange for my love. David has loved this one. David has shown this one kindness. But, but in response to the love that David has, what do they have? They hate. So instead of responding lovingly to love, he receives from David love, and this one hates David. But yet, what does David do? David says, but I 
and the implication is here is my prayer david is making this prayer that we're going to encounter based upon what we've just learned david's going to make his prayer meaning his requests from god on how to respond to this one and this is what david says verse verse 5 in regard to this individual it says he puts upon me literally it is in the plural now they put upon me evil in exchange for good hatred in exchange for again my love so what does david ask verse verse 6 place upon him a wicked one allow him to experience the same thing that i'm experiencing from him so place command to be over him one who is wicked and then we have the word satan which is a word of oppression so also one who oppresses and we could understand this as satan himself allow satan to stand on his right hand right oftentimes has to do with favor or strength that which is of an asset so he says let satan come against him deposit an enemy upon him in the same way that this one has been an enemy to david and it says in verse 7 now david is asking for judgment that god would examine this situation how this one is behaving and would respond that would render judgment upon him so he says and when it's judgment that that judgment would go forth against this wicked one and that he would be obligated that he would be found guilty that he would be found as wicked and he says here let his prayer his response to this let it be as sin meaning that god will not respond to that prayer will not respond to what this wicked one says that god and we know the implication god has nothing to do with sin god judges sin god destroys sin and this is what david is saying now again in looking at this psalm we're going to see in this lesson and we're only going to deal with the first half of this psalm that this one is pretty extreme in his wickedness in his hatred in his desire to wage war and it's this in mind that we need to remember in order to rightly understand david's motivation in saying what he's going to say verse verse 8 where david says let his days be few and also what he has his possession what has been deposited to him let it be taken by another so david is saying this one needs to be removed not just him but allow others to take what he has he is not a good steward of the resources that he has so give them to someone else and end this one's life and allow verse 9 
allow his sons to be orphan and his wife to be a widow so david wants to see this one judged and removed from the face of the earth and be assured that there are indeed people that are so wicked so full of hate love to oppress love to return evil for good that it's appropriate that we petition god in our prayers god remove this one god you judge him you deal with him because this one and the implication is he is beyond repentance he knows how to repent he knows from what he should repent but he has no interest in doing that again the most appropriate word and if you look at some of the commentators both on the jewish side and on the christian side we're dealing with someone who is indeed reprobate who has had his conscience seared by his his base behavior his debauchery his wickedness his sin he loves these things that god hates and there's no changing him and then it says in regard to his children let his sons and this can be implied in children in general let his sons and it's a word here which means to wander to and fro utterly wander about and many would say that this has to do with no stability in his children's life and let them ask and this can be a word for asking and begging and and beseeching assistance it says let them ask let them beg and let them seek from that which is destroyed meaning they have no assets of their own everything has been destroyed there's no inheritance for them they are reaping the outcome of their father's wickedness and we need to realize it is indeed a biblical principle that if one behaves righteously that their children are going to inherit some of that that there is going to be a righteous influence upon them they're going to reap from the righteousness of the previous generation and i hope that is an encouragement to you that you and i would hear that and want to live righteously not just so that we can experience the goodness of god but on our children and even our children's children for the future generations we want to impact not just this age but the age that comes as well so he says let look now to verse 11 let the creditor so now this one or his offspring is in debt and this is a teaching the abruptness between what we've been studying and now in verse 11 shows that that this one he's not going to continuously be successful have that ability to inflict pain and suffering upon another it says let the creditor take away all which is to him and foreigners this would be those outside the children of israel let foreigners uh, plunder his work everything that he has achieved and obtained let it be destroyed by the enemy and then it says let there not be to him 
one that extends grace. And do not let there be any favor for his orphans. Now, what this is saying is this. An evil individual, he is going to raise up a generation like him. And therefore, God in this psalm is teaching us something. David is praying that not only judge the root of it, but also the evil fruit of it. Now, again, we know, and the scripture affirms us, that, that ultimately one is going to be punished for his or her own sins, not the, the parent's sin. Now, we know what the scripture says about visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation. But we need to understand that correctly. This visiting means this tendency, and this is very relevant for what we're talking about. Because my sinfulness, it is going to be passed on to my children, that offspring, that next generation. Because what is genetically in me, and there's a spiritual genetic aspect that my sinful tendencies are going to be passed on to that next generation they're also by environment what they experience from me as they're growing up i can have a most adverse effect upon that next generation or next generations but likewise if you live submissively to the instructions of god that also is going to be passed on to your children, both environmentally, what they see from you, and also genetically. See, we need to realize that the reason why you're a sinner is because your parents were sinful. And this all goes back, your grandparents, great-grandparents, all the way to the first family. And I'm speaking about Adam ve Chava, Adam and Eve. Sin entered into the world through them and therefore into their children and their grandchildren into this world. We all are staying with original sin and that is passed on genetically. Is there a spiritual aspect to that? Absolutely. A major spiritual aspect, but our sinfulness visits us and the free, uh, in, into the future generations. So it says in this case, allow as well that the creditor, look again at verse, verse 11, that the creditor takes all that he has and foreigners plunder what he has worked for. And do not let there be to him someone who extends grace and let there not be favor upon his orphans. Verse 13. And allow his end now we're talking about his finish allow his end to be destroyed literally it's a word for being cut off so allow his ultimate end his future to be cut off and another generation that it will be wiped away their name meaning that future generation, the generation to come, let their name be wiped away. That there's no trace of this family anymore. Verse 14. 
and speaking of God, let God, and this is the implication, remember the iniquity of his fathers and to the Lord, the sin of his mother, not be wiped out. Meaning all of this is about one thing, and that is David wants God to see their behavior, their actions, their sinfulness, their iniquity, and God to punish that and bring such a mindset, such deeds to an end that such a family does not adversely infect other families. This is why David is praying this, because he knows that such an individual is dangerous to society, and judgment is a good thing. Bringing this individual and his offspring to an end, this is what David is saying. Look now to verse 15. And let it be, meaning all of their actions, their sinfulness, let this all be before the Lord, tamid always. So that God continues to remember their sin, their iniquity, their transgressions, their behavior, how they responded to other individuals, and that their sinfulness would be before God, that he would deal with it continuously. And their remembrance will be cut off from the earth. This is what David wants. And we can think of it because I realize that such words, oftentimes people hear and say, well, I don't think that this is a very godly individual that says such things. It is King David, the one whom God likens Messiah in the sense, the son of David. We see that this righteous judgment request is appropriate and it's because David wants evilness to be dealt with now this one again isn't interested in grace isn't interested in repentance isn't interested in changing this one hates the attributes of God the character of God the ways of God he's against this and therefore it is appropriate for this one to be judged and everything that's to him is wiped away, cut off, that it will not be remembered anymore. Look now to verse 16, our last verse where it says, Why all of this? Because, we can think of this as on account of, because he did not remember to do chesed. He did not remember to give grace to others. He rejected grace from God, and he rejected giving grace to others, meaning he was most unkind. He was not interested in participating in the will of God. I want to emphasize again, there is a strong, strong correlation between the concept, the biblical concept of grace and the will of God. This one, he was not interested in grace, meaning he was against the will of God. When the will of God is important to you, you are going to receive grace because it's the grace of God that makes the will of God a possibility for you. 
And not only that, it's the grace of God that will influence you to influence others in being part of God's will. So this inherent relationship between the grace of God and the will of God. Look again at verse 16. Because he did not remember to do grace. And what did he do? He persecuted. Now, this is a word of chasing. It's a word of pursuing. And what it says here, he persecuted, he pursued with the the desire to persecute. Who? The most vulnerable. We have ish-ani. The word ani can be one who is poor or one who is afflicted. And the idea here, and if you look at some of the commentators, they speak about the desire to exploit, to take advantage of those who are suffering, those who are in a desperate situation. And therefore, this is his nature. He sees someone who's having a very difficult time, and what does he do? He wants to persecute. He wants to add to this one's misery, misery this one's poverty, this one's situation. He wants to take a bad situation and make it even worse. So he persecutes the poor man or the afflicted man, and the next word, evyon, is one that is destitute. This one has nothing, nothing in regard to resources. He has nothing to, to hold on to, and he's easily exploited and easily injured easily taken advantage of and not only that also the one this is one who is broken hearted whose heart literally has been crushed this one who is so discouraged and and here's the message when when someone is discouraged they are in a most vulnerable position and, and when we see someone who is downcast, discouraged, brokenhearted, that is a call to minister to them. Love them, comfort them, help them. Help them regain their, their, their outlook, the proper outlook for life. Give them hope. Be as the term Barnabas is in, in Greek, be a son of encouragement. That's what we're called to do. This one is the exact opposite. He sees someone who is downhearted, brokenhearted, and he wants to attack, and he wants to move that person further into the same wickedness that he is experiencing. What does he do? It says, and the brokenhearted to, to death. He wants him to be pushed over the edge. It's someone who is so distraught that he is thinking about ending his life. He's on the ledge, so to speak. This one would go up and push him off, finish it. This is not one who is a candidate for forgiveness, a candidate for grace, a candidate for the mercy of God. This is one, and this is what David realizes, this is one to whom God is, is viewing as a recipient of God's wrath, God's judgment. This one, as David is pointing out, 
needs to be destroyed. And it's not for David to do. He's turning this one over to God. That's the point that needs to be emphasized. David is saying, here he is. Let me share what he has done to me, how he's behaved at others. He brings this in his prayers with a a request that God would wipe out the evilness, the wickedness, the unkindness of this individual and his offspring. Well, we'll continue in the second half of this psalm next week. Until then, shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Shalom from Israel.